One of the earliest lessons that we learn in life is that life is not predictable. And while we may at times do what we can to establish certainty and clarity, we can never truly know everything that lies just around the corner. And we all deal with this reality in a variety of ways. Some are healthy and adaptive, others not so much. And I have to say that one of the most common side effects of the fact that life is unpredictable is that we can, if we're not careful, end up living on an emotional seesaw. Good things happen and we are happy and content. Challenging times set in and we get worried, feel defeated, helpless or, or hopeless. Indeed, when things are tough, it can feel as if our house is built on sand. Well, the bottom line is if we're not careful, we can get ourselves into a pattern where how we feel and what we believe and what we think is based on what is happening right now at the moment. And when we get into this pattern, how we see things changes moment to moment. If things are easy, we are easy. If things are hard, we are consumed. And whether or not this describes you, I am fairly certain that many of us, at least at times in our lives, have experienced what I'm talking about. Even those with a long view, psychological health, perspective, and faith have been affected by the events of the last year in ways that have not all been positive. Well, not long ago, I ran across a story that speaks to this whole topic, and it's a story about an old man who, who lived in a small village. And this old man did not have very much in the way of money. In fact, he was he was dirt poor. The only possession he had was a, was a beautiful horse. And everyone who lived in the village was jealous that the man had such an amazing animal. Now, people in the village offered the old man tons of money to buy the horse, but his answer was always, no, my horse is my best friend, and I will not sell it. Well, one day, the man found that his horse was gone, and everyone in the village heard about it, and many went to see the old man, and they taunted him, and they said, you stupid fool. We told you that somebody would steal your horse. We told you you would be robbed. You should have sold your horse when you, when you had a chance. You could have had plenty of money to live on, but now your precious horse is gone, and you've been, you've been cursed. Well, after listening to the people of the village speak, the old man peacefully replied, don't speak so fast. Don't jump to so many conclusions. The only thing that you can say is that my horse is gone now. That's all we know. The rest is judgment. You do not know if I've been cursed or blessed by this. How can you possibly know what's really going on? And the people said back to the old man, you really think we are fools. We may not be the smartest people around, but the fact that your horse is gone, you have lost everything and you clearly have been cursed. The old man again said, no, 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 no. All that I know is my horse is gone. I don't know anything else. I can't say that I've been cursed. I can't even say that I've been blessed. I can't see everything. All I can see is a fragment. Who knows what will happen next? Well, several weeks later, the horse returned to the old man. The horse had not been stolen. The horse had simply run away into the forest. And when the horse came back, he brought back dozens of beautiful wild horses with him. And once again, the news spread, and the people of the village went to see the old man. And the villagers said, old man, we are so sorry. We were so wrong. You were so right. We thought it was a curse, but it was a blessing. Please, please forgive us. 
And the old man replied to the crowd, once again, you're making conclusions and passing judgment. You can only say that my horse has come back and that he has brought back dozens of wild horses with him. You cannot say this is a blessing. We can only see a fragment. Unless and until you know the whole story, how can you judge what is going on? And the people left saying, the man is crazy. Of course he's blessed by all of these horses. Well, the old man had a son, and when he heard about all the horses, he returned home to help his father. And the son worked hard with all of the horses. But after a few days, the son fell off one of the horses, and he broke both of his legs. And once again, word spread throughout the village about what had happened, and the people went once again to see the old man. And they said, you were right. The return of your horse with the dozens of new horses was not a blessing at all. It was a curse. Your only son has returned, and now he's broken both of his legs. Now you have no one to help you. The old man looked at them and said, Why, why, why do you continue to pass judgment so quickly? Why do you make such leaps in your thinking? All you can say is that my son has broken legs. We don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. No one knows. We can only see a fragment of life at this time. Well, a few weeks later, the country in which the man lived got involved in a war. A draft was started, and all of the young men in the village were called to serve. Only the son of the old man was excluded from the draft because his legs were broken. And when this happened, the people of the village went to see the old man again. And they said to him, you were right, old man. You were right. The fact that your son broke his legs was a blessing. His legs are broken, but at least he is with you, and he doesn't have to go off to war. Why don't you get it? You're so quick to draw conclusions. None of us knows. All we know is that your sons went to war and my son did not. No one knows if this is a blessing or a curse. When you read one page of a book, can you judge the whole book? When you read only word, one word, can you understand or see the whole sentence? When you see a piece or two of a puzzle, can you tell what the completed puzzle will actually look like? Life is vast. Yet you judge and make conclusions about life based on events as they happen. All I can see is a fragment. I'm content with what I know. I'm not worried about what I don't. Only God knows. I don't put my faith in life events. What I believe does not change moment to moment. Instead, I put my trust in God, not in circumstances. So today's gospel reading is from the end of the Gospel of Luke. And in this chapter, there are lots of things that go on. It's a lengthy chapter. And I'd like to just briefly describe three of the events that go on in this chapter of Luke, all of which have to do with Jesus' resurrection. The first has to do with a group of women going to Jesus' tomb, and we know the story. On the first Easter morning, Luke tells us that some women went to Jesus' burial place. And when they got there, they found that the tomb in which Jesus was buried was empty. And while they were there, two angels told them not to be afraid that Jesus was no longer dead, but had been raised to new life. And after the angels spoke, the women hurried back to where the apostles were gathered and shared the news with them that Jesus is alive. Immediately following this, Luke tells us about an event that happened on that same Sunday, the story of the walk to Emmaus. And in the story, two people who had placed all their hope in Jesus were leaving the city of Jerusalem. They were distressed and upset because all they knew was that Jesus was dead and buried. 
that fragment of the story was clear to them. And as they walk along a road toward a village named Emmaus, a stranger shows up and walks with them. And as they continue to journey along, the stranger talks to them about the scriptures. And as evening approaches, the two ask the stranger to stay with him for the night. And it's here that the stranger breaks out some bread. And when he does so, the two immediately recognize that the man is not a stranger at all, but Jesus. Jesus then immediately vanishes from their sight. And then it is right after this story that we encounter the third story, which is today's reading. And in it, the apostles are gathered together. They are talking about all the news they have now heard from several sources. The news that Jesus is alive. And as they're talking, Jesus appears in the midst and says, Peace be with you. And when they see Jesus, they're startled and terrified as they think that they're seeing a ghost. Knowing their disbelief, Jesus proceeds to say, Why are you so frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, see that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then in the midst of their joy, wonder, and disbelief, Jesus asks, have you anything to eat? And so the apostles give Jesus a piece of broiled fish, and he eats it. In these events, there is terror, fear, amazement, sadness, hopelessness, confusion, doubt, disbelief joy, wonder, hope, and relief. These are just some of the admixture of feelings that happen in the lives of people in the last chapter of Luke before and after they encounter the resurrected Jesus. And what's interesting about these feelings is the people who experience them all have these feelings in response to a here and now moment, to just a fragment. The women at the tomb are afraid. The two on the road to Emmaus are sad and confused. The apostles, when Jesus appears, are terrified yet feel joy. Something specific happens and the people in these stories make immediate conclusions about the future. They hear a word and judge a sentence. They encounter a page and assume they know what is in the rest of the book. They experience a powerful fragment of life, fragment of life and determine how the rest of the story will go. It is human nature to do this. Something powerful or dramatic happens in our lives and we are flooded with feelings and we make conclusions or make big assumptions about what will follow based on what is happening at the moment. We experience a tiny fragment in life and jump to judgment. We forget that the events of a day are only a page out of a much bigger book. Yes, for sure it seems to be part of human nature to look at where we are right now and rush to making conclusions about the future. And it's not just in our stories we encounter this reality. It's found throughout the Bible, outside of the resurrection stories I just shared. In the Bible, Abraham retires, and he concludes that the future of his life is settled. Sarah is old, and she determines that joy is beyond her reach. Moses stutters and believes he will never do anything great in his life. The people wander around the desert, and judge that their future is bleak. Ruth is widowed and thinks her life will be spent with her mother-in-law. Job loses it all and thinks his happiness is gone forever. Matthew makes a ton of money cheating people on their taxes and believes that his future is all about wealth and making money. The woman with the hemorrhage judges that her life will be spent as an outcast. 
story after story, person after person, something happens, or a life stage is entered into, or a fragment in life occurs, and conclusions about the future are made. For sure, for all of us, life is topsy-turvy. One moment is great, the next can be a bummer. One week is superb, the next week can be just awful. This was true for everyone in the Bible. It was the case for those who walked this earth following Jesus. It is a reality of our own days here and now. Remember the story of the old man in the village, the one whose life was characterized by gain and loss, the bad followed by the good and vice versa. When confronted with the rising and falling tides of life, he said, I don't put my faith in events, I put my trust in God. Faith in events or trust in God. This was the question that Jesus posed to his disciples, and they struggled believing all that he had promised him. And it's the same question our risen Lord poses to us. Do we put our faith in events or our trust in God when we struggle in the midst of our unpredictable lives? Now, having said all this, I need to be very clear about something. And that is that we are human beings with hearts that feel. I would add, I hope, that all of us allow ourselves to feel very deeply. Of course, when things are bad, we are upset. Of course, when we experience a loss, we grieve powerfully. Of course, when things are hard, we may cry or emote or feel overwhelmed. All such reactions, all such emotions, even profound ones, are God-given gifts not to be denied. All such reactions are to be shared with people we trust. All such reactions, in fact, are expressions of faith. Conversely, when things are great or something wonderful happens, of course, we should celebrate and feel joy and gratitude and good feelings. Again, such reactions are God-given and expressions of faith. This sermon is not about saying, trust in God and don't feel. Just trust in God and deny your profound emotions. This sermon is not about saying just trust in God and imagine everything is wonderful. Don't get too upset because God is in charge. Well, frankly, sometimes things are anything but great, anything but wonderful, and being very upset is a very appropriate human response. Sometimes, in fact, things are beyond our capacity to cope and we need help from people. This sermon is not about denying our human nature or our emotional lives. But what it is about is being very careful about making conclusions or judging the future or determining what all of the possibilities are based on what's happening right now. As human beings who feel and love and care, all we can see are fragments of what God sees. We do not have the capacity to see the whole story. And this truth, I pray, will give each of us some hope and some relief and some encouragement, especially during life's passages that are really tough.
Now, very briefly, I want to conclude this morning with an image. I'm not sure who came up with it. I think it's relevant to what we're talking about today. It's an image I've talked about in other settings and have shared before with you. But I just want to remind us of it. We've all seen tapestries. They can be large or small. They can hang on a wall or be on the floor. But regardless, all tapestries have two sides, an upside and an underside. The top side is often beautiful, ordered, stunning, breathtaking. But when you flip a tapestry over, it looks like a total mess. One thread's going one direction, another thread's going in another direction. The backside of a tapestry is anything but ordered looking or predictable. And I have come to believe that in this life as human beings, all we can see are the threads, just the, the underside of the tapestry. Sure, when we look at the underside, one thread might be really beautiful and nice to look at. Another might look unattractive, however, and be out of place. There might even be moments when we look at the underside, the backside of a tapestry, and it looks like a complete unmitigated disaster. But in this life, we cannot see what God sees, which is the top of the tapestry. The top, which is beautiful, ordered, where it all comes together and makes more than sense. I believe that when it's all said and done, that God invites us to remember this Im image of a tapestry, especially when life is hard or out of sorts or our hearts are broken. We can only see the threads. And so let us not conclude what the whole tapestry looks like until one day we will see it all through the eyes of God. Let us pray.